Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate Take me rock away from here, Lordy. Tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Mike Rutherford is, right? 
uh, off the top of my head. I'm refresh my memory. <laughs> He's uh, Mike in the Mechanics, lead, uh, the oh, lead yeah, guitarist yeah, of Genesis. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were talking about him or not. I thought you maybe been another one, but that's the only one that came to mind, yeah. you know. Doesn't he kind of yeah. look like Mike Rutherford, like a younger version of Mike Rutherford? Mm. Yeah, baby, yeah, kind of, I guess. I mean. Yeah, the hair, the. I have to, to really the, picture it and think anyway. Huh? Yeah, maybe, I mean, you know, I'm trying to picture it in my yeah, head especially here. When both good, them. Yeah, take, take a look at the photos and throughout the show mm-hmm. and tell me and look at Mike Rutherford. They kind of have, like, the same look and style. And, you know, that's saying a lot. That's not like an insult. Hopefully, Fred likes Genesis. So, hopefully that's saying something. So, that's who we got on tonight is Fred Weehy, and I'm really excited about it because Fred Weehy, I mean, we've we've talked to him a couple of times. He's a really, really nice guy. And uh, let's see here. I am working on other guests. Okay, so we will be doing a show next week with another guest next week, and I've been talking to a lot of people. And, Tom, I'm going to keep you updated on everything, okay? Okay, cool. Right. So, yeah, this is this has been a long time because it's been a long time since we've had a guest on the show. We had Edward X. Young, but Edward X. Young is more like a play date because he's just so fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Now, Nick, do you have any big announcements for Black Bedsheet Books? I've got some announcements. Uh, not necessarily announcements, but updates. <coughs> updates, yeah, that's a perfect word. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you can expect in the uh, month of June, we're going to have at least three brand new releases. One is going to be a brand new um, uh, Raina Young book from her uh, young adult series, Monsters. And then we have uh, Nick Carey's uh, long-awaited Leavitt's Asylum for Special Children. And uh, he's he's, uh, the author of Nevermore, which is uh, a really kick-ass book. uh, And that's a great young adult book, too. Also, um, we have Patrick James Ryan's um, The Maggots Underneath the Porch. And... uh, that is going to be great. Uh, Patrick James Ryan has been one of our all-time best-selling authors, uh, especially with uh, The Night It Got Out. And uh, a new edition of Bloodverse is coming as well. So, also, um, just uh, while you guys got me, a short word about movie soundtracks. Now, when I was a kid, Star Wars came out. And... Uh, uh, and I, just like millions of other people, raced to the record stores and bought the freaking soundtrack by John Williams. I never bought uh, – all of my I – was, I was the age where a lot of my – I was still listening to a lot of albums that were left over when I was like, like five and six years old and stuff, too. So I, I wasn't really into classical music, let alone like soundtrack music, and that, that was my first album – 
and my introduction to like classical music really per se, something that I really got into. And then John Williams had to go and do it with Close Encounters. Everybody had to buy that album. And then so I got to be a John Williams fan. Then with like Alien, Jerry Goldsmith, and, and, and each of the composers that I would buy an album for, I'd want to find out what other soundtracks did they do. I want to buy those too. And I bought a conducting baton, and I would conduct the soundtracks, learn them by heart, conduct them in my room, and work out a sweat. And I did it so well that I ended up directing the choir in high school for assemblies. I ended up directing, like in junior high school, um, the, uh, the, the band that I was in. I played the trombone in that band. And I ended up conducting that. So it was really cool. I mean, a long ways from just, like, you know, conducting music in my room. Anyway, as of late, I found that uh, uh, what, what works for me as a writer and while working with black bedsheet books and producing books and stuff, um, I used to watch, like, movies on the side, have a movie going, and it would be really distracting because a good part would come on and I'd have to stop everything and look at it. Well, now I'm collecting – I sold most of my soundtrack albums, so little by little I've been getting my vinyl collection of soundtracks back. And I've been – I got a – like, um, I spruced up my old record player, and I hooked everything up so that I can even record them on the computer and stuff. But uh, now – and that, that goes very smoothly for me in, like, production, my work day and as a writer and everything. Soundtracks, that way, it's like watching a movie, but you don't have to look at anything to distract you. So, uh, any writers out there, if you're, uh, if you're really frustrated, try, try um, downloading some soundtrack music off of YouTube and then listen to it while you're writing. And that way it can inspire you with some of your favorite movies, but you don't have to be distracted and watch the great scenes. It's all just in your head while you're working. So that's my advice of the week. And the soundtrack, music, everybody, it's great. And the best all-time composers, Bernard Herrmann and John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith. And, and, the, and James Horner, no, Horner, God rest his soul, he died in a plane crash a couple of years ago. Anyway, anyway, Francie, okay, that is it. All right, we, we do idea. have two callers. Uh, callers don't hang up, and I am hoping that one of these are Fred Weehy, which I'm almost guaranteeing. Uh, Tom, uh, before yeah. you also have an announcement, you are about to make an appearance at a convention. Well, I I was at uh, Motor City Nightmares uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it did fairly well. I mean, it was uh, good. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite smaller it's smaller, it's more intimate convention. Uh, D. Wallace and Julian Sands and Tracy Lords and all these others were there. Oh, and uh, Tom Savini and uh, John Russo and a lot of the horror-related community was there, and it was very good. Did pretty well. Um, I decided to pass up Motor City Comic Con, which was this weekend, because I just think the way the pricing and some of the things are going on, uh, I'm kind of boycotting. It's just you know, when it costs fifty dollars for one person to get in, including parking, <laughs> you know, on like a yeah. Saturday, it's it's a bit off-putting. And what you know, they jack up the price of the vendors and give you one less chair. But I do have, uh, I will be in two weeks at Down River Comic Con, and um, and that log cabin days in Waterford in June. So I got two in June and uh, one event in July and two in the fall. So. So, nice. but 
yeah. So, you know, trying to keep busy and get out there and everything. Um, nice. So, you know, I'd like some of these smaller, lesser price, freer, but but this is uh, uh, attended, pretty well attended events, you know. So, you know, and I'm still trying to, I'm taking a little hiatus from writing after my little netbook took took a uh, died on me. So I got to kind of move my stuff from my flash drive to other, find another netbook that I can type on that's portable and, you know, play it by longhand like I usually do. But other than that, you know. Okay. So I, I do have enough uh, manuscripts done for I could stop writing. And I have I think I have enough books for the next three years actually. So yeah, it, it's kind of cool. You're, um, it's now summertime in uh, California. So guess what I get to do? Because I'm running the show off my laptop. I got a little car table. The weather's mm-hmm. kind of it's still hot as hell out here, but. Uh, I get to sit outside now and do the show. I got the car table as a little desk and uh, get to do it outside now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's awesome. Oh, yeah, and uh, Nick, should we should we give a little Marvy update? Well, yeah, give a Marvy update. Or I'll give a Mar- Marvy. Here, you, you talk about that. Oh, now I have to talk about cats. Uh, as if we don't have enough, <laughs> we have a bunch of cats. Well, um, um, about a year and a half, or two years after we moved uh, moved in here, um, this uh, this one cat started coming around. We called her Little Miss Kitty, and she we kind of kind of adopted her, but she wasn't allowed inside, and uh, we would just feed her. And then then her boyfriend started coming around. Uh, Bigfoot, and he ended up like I call him Bigfoot because I could only see him at night in the shadows. And when I would like approach him, he would like run. So I would like tell Frenzy I had a Bigfoot sighting. But he's like he his his fur is like brown, like Bigfoot, and he's huge. Um, but uh, uh, so he uh, he knocked her up, knocked little Miss Kitty up, and she had kittens. And we did almost everything that we could to separate them and stuff, uh, uh, so she wouldn't. But and it just happened. But anyway, so we ended up with all these kittens. We had to get rid of them, and then um, we ended up keeping one kitten, and uh, his name is Marvy, and you could see him on our Facebook pages. Uh, and I, I just, I almost had enough of cats, but it was therapeutic for my dad, who has Alzheimer's. It's therapeutic for the other cats. Uh, it turns out, and uh, Francie just let one of the cats out. And I'm gonna beat him up. Francie, you let Smokey out. I He's an inside cat. They right, they try for not. every opportunity to like. I not. Anyway, though, but that's uh, so. Marvy's cute. He's a little kitten, and he's like two months old by now, and he has these eyes. These eyes. The eyes have it, Francie. But uh, so yeah, so. Uh, so not a big, not a, not as big of a deal as like say movie soundtracks, but um, it's Marvy, Marvy the kitten, newest addition to our family. Which now I feel like, since, especially since we got that bearded dragon, Hermie, which is cool. But at the same time, now I feel like I live in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to leave, taking care of the animals to Francie while I work because because you know 
black bed sheet books is more important than all these adorable creatures. Anyway, so, okay, Francie, I guess I did a good job, didn't I? Yes, did I do a good job? I did. Well. It's funny, when we used to do the cats, like, in the old apartment complex, Nick is like, no, no. But little Miss Kitty, I don't know, he, he, she just struck a spark with him, and he treats her like a daughter. I mean, you would think that this was Nick's daughter, and he totally rotten-fied this cat. Totally. <laughs> and then uh, then there was freaking Marvy. I'm trying to get rid of all of them. I got rid of five of them, but Nick would not let Marvy go. <laughs> He's like, no, we're keeping him. All right, we do have, hold on, uh, Honey Boo Boo is uh, waving at me right now. Hold on, what? Oh, okay, 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 I see it. It's area code 814, which I believe is Don Proctor. Yes, it hey, is. Hey, Don. All right, it long time we'll see you All right, we I know, were um, about to... I'm oh, back. back. I'm yeah, back. I know. Cool. I was going to hear it. let you make an announcement before we bring on Fred Weehee, because I believe we got Fred Weehee on, and Honey Boo Boo is, like, really yelling at me right now. So what's going on with you real quick, Don? Oh, not much. I just got back from three weeks in Jersey. Nice, Jersey. Yeah, oh, I was to go take care of my sister. Huh? I went to go take care of my sister. Oh, okay. So it, well, it wasn't so much pleasure. She's doing better, but, you know, there are downsides. They're doing better too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. family's important. Oh, yeah. definitely. And you know. Yeah. She needed me, and I needed her, so it worked out really well. Uh, oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um. Yes. Now, uh, honey, yes, boo boo. Tom, Tom? Yeah, we got Tom here, too. You're sound for sore ears. You're sound for sore ears. Hey. <laughs> All right, here we go. She, she's me. really yelling at me now. You better resist now your sound ring. Okay, area code 408. 408? Yeah, you there? Yeah. Hello. Hey, Francis. Is this Fred? Yeah. Hey, Fred. How's it going? Hey, Fred. Hey, 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 Nick. Now, now, it's Fred, going well. uh, you you gotta bear with us because we've been a little bit rusty. We, you know, we've had jobs that has influenced us not to be able to do the show on Sundays. So you're pretty much like. The first real guest we've had in a very long time, so we're a little rusty. So <laughs> I figured okay. if anybody that can pull us through this, it will be you. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> lot of pressure here. A lot of pressure. Damn, <laughs> so I'll just. I'll but just but you're your, always such a busy let, guy. I mean, let oh me my add gosh. To your zoo. You, huh? I want to add to your zoo. You guys think you have a zoo? You don't. You don't have a zoo. I have a zoo. Well, I'm down in Gilroy right now hanging with my horses. So oh, I've got no two way. horses. 
And then back home at the at the house, we have too many cats. I can't even count the number of cats. Uh, but we're, we've, this has been a bad year for us. We've lost some animals this year. We've uh, we've lost two dogs. Aww. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, a, a bird, uh, a cockatiel, um, and what was the other thing we lost? I can't remember. Uh, we've lost too many. It's been a it's been a bad year, but we still have three birds, uh, a bunch of cats. What kind uh, of birds? South American tagu. Um, wow. Uh, African gray, uh, golfing cockatiel. Oh, my dream and, bird. Um, and another cockatiel. Is what wow. we have at, at one time we had um, we had six birds. We're down to three. Um, yeah, there, there. You, you know, people like we, we, Nick and I, we had our little dusty bird, a little parakeet, and uh, when it passed away, when I went to work after my bird passed away, you know, I was kind of down on the dumps, and my boss is like, "It's just a bird." And I'm like, yeah, but oh, it's he's not somebody a, he's not that a pet I, I know, and I'm telling him, I'm like, it's somebody that I woke up for seven years every morning saying, good morning. The next, this morning, I woke up, I had nothing to wake up. I said, it's not just a bird. It, it, you've known yeah. this bird, you've grown with this bird for seven years. You know, a lot of people are just like, yo, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. No, yeah. it is part they, of your life. They don't understand. Yeah, they're fa- our pets are family. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's, when you lose them, it's losing a member of your family. I mean, uh, yeah, the yep. dog that just passed away a couple weeks ago, we've had him for 11 years. And that's a that's a long time. So and, it's, and that's it's hard. somebody that sits in your lap and watches television with you or sleeps by your side and hogs up the bed. You know? Right. We called him Smiling Cup because he he sm- he knew how to smile. He would greet us at the front door Aww. with a smile on his face. What kind of dog was it? Uh, that's a good question. I call I always called him our Frankenstein dog because he looked <laughs> like he was made out a of a lot of different parts of different types of dogs. Like I went out and dug up a bunch of dogs and put them together. Uh, and then brought him to life with some, with a you know, a bolt of electric uh, lightning. Um, to create he that was a one funny, He was a funny-looking dog. dog. Yeah, we called him Ugalek after the Russian dog that went to space. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, the funniest dog I've ever seen, and I swear this is no lie, it was a wiener dog mixed with a pit bull. Guess who the father was? Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the wiener dog. I don't know. Uh, the, the wiener dog. The wiener dog. Hey, I we were oh, like, wait, <laughs> it's like seriously, well. <laughs> the wiener dog. Well, you know, you're giving enough alcohol. Old around. to say, hey. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he is a I think, wiener dog. I think so. dogs are amazing. I mean, all animals. And for anybody to sit there and say it's just a, no, it's not just a. It's somebody that you have shared your life with. Exactly. Yeah. And and when you have nobody around to talk to, who do you talk to? To discuss your the pets. stresses of your days. <laughs> exactly. Your pets. 
Yeah. And they listen yeah. to you. Well, I don't Sometimes. know. Sometimes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sometimes. I, I definitely. I definitely feel for you there, Fred, to lose a dog. Oh, my gosh. I mean, and, uh, in fact, my favorite phrase that I've ever had is, I wish I could be the person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a, animals are unconditional love, especially dogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. No yeah, matter what. So, they yeah, they I greet you at the door you. when you oh. get home. Yeah. Yeah, so we, had, that, we, had put, we had to put my son's dog down in the beginning of March, so believe me, I know how hard it is. It's still hard. Oh, yeah. I still I yeah. still miss that little old man. Yeah, he was just such a big part of the family and such a personality. You really feel the loss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could have, like, murdered three people on the streets. Please, nobody murder three people on the streets. You would come home and the dog would be like, "How you doing, buddy?" I've yeah, missed you no, so if much. If I you're love gonna murder, you. let me just make a suggestion. If you're gonna murder three people, do it in the woods, not on the street. Yeah, really? Huh? <laughs> Where you can't Only be seen. Only a horror writer would say something like that. <laughs> do it somewhere are you much can't be seen. to dispose of in the woods. No, nobody murdered anybody in the woods tonight. We promise. How do you know? All right. Well, how, yeah, how do you know? How do you know? It could True, happen. I, was, that, you that's the, yeah, I did that's one of my stories. If the tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, did it really truly fall? Or somebody was murdered in the woods and nobody was there to see it, were they exactly. really truly murdered? Only in our minds. <laughs> so that's a really good point, actually. Um, yeah. So what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to check for all the missing people in your three areas tomorrow. <laughs> How and are you going to know? Find out if they were hiking in the woods and if there's a reward out for it, I promise not to cash you guys in. I'm not going to sell you out. Oh, that's a good thing. But the thing of it is how are you going to know? Maybe they weren't reported missing yet. You know, Don, you're making my head spin right now. <laughs> That's good. I aim to believe. Like I aim to believe. Blown. You're you're blowing my mind right now. Okay, so for the next <laughs> month, I'm going to be checking for missing. No, Wait, you were just right. in Jersey, like right? Hold on, Don, you were just in Jersey, right? Yes, I was. Trust I have me. not heard uh, well, if there was a dead body in Jersey. I'd tell you about it. I have not Maybe heard from John Link in a couple of days. What did you do with John Link? It wasn't me this time. That is not the first person I would take out in Jersey. <laughs> Fully. There are situation. people in Jersey on a higher list right now. Yes, the only yeah. one in Jersey who would say that. Oh, uh, John Link, I love you. You know that, buddy. So, <laughs> this is, I, I got to ask you one thing, though, Fred, because uh, you were you were talking about the African Grey. My dream bird. Oh, How I love much African of a vocabulary does that bird have? He's got a pretty good vocabulary. 
Um, yeah, both he, him and the golf and cockatoo have a good vocabulary. They say different things. Uh, yeah. the, the African gray loves to the dog that just passed away. He says Aww. she says his name all the time. Uh, every time she every time she's scared, it's Oogie. Oogie. Aww. Doesn't matter what scared. It's just like when he was a pup, he would go in there. He'd get in the bird room and. And we would yell, Oogie, Oogie, get out of there. So she started yelling Oogie every time she was scared of something. Uh, now Aww. she just says it, just just says it. Uh, but they say, I love you. Um, hello, how are you? Uh, the, the golf and cockatoo sings uh, songs. What do you do with a drunken sailor? Uh, <laughs> things like that. So that's her favorite that's her favorite song. What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken <laughs> sailor? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And, yeah, they, and they dance. Oh, yeah. African Grace, my mom back home, she had a cleaning service, and there was this house we did. Uh, it was the Burns' house. That's all I'm going to say is the Burns' house. <laughs> they had an African Grace, and his name was Timothy. Tim, Tim, Timothy. There was one time I was in the hallway and I was vacuuming, and they had one of those, you know, you plug the vacuum into the wall, those hoses, yeah. so it's not very loud. And the bird was in the bedroom, Timothy was, and he was facing the wall. Like, he wasn't, he didn't know that I was in the hallway. And he was like, the ship can't take it anymore, Captain. And he sounded just like the guys on Star Trek, okay? I got to tell you that first. And he goes, yeah. You're right. We must launch the missiles. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, they, and his whole body would shake when he launched a missile. I could not. Oh, 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 wait. And he got a little silent, and then you heard, run, forest, run, in Bubba's voice. <laughs> I lost it. I cra- I started cracking up laughing. He turned around and he looked at me and goes, Hey, hey you, come here. <laughs> come here, I need to tell you something. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, they are just such amazing birds. So when you say African Grey, yeah. I stand up and take attention. Yeah, and they, uh, and, and, she could, yeah they, mimic, they mimic people's voices. Sometimes when very the, well. the, we, our, our our African Grey is her name is Gracie. So sometimes when she says stuff, she sounds like my son Ian, and other times she, she sounds like Susie. Uh, and then there's times she'll sound like me. I, I've oh, often wow. mistaken her for Ian. <laughs> I thought that it was Ian calling me, and it was really her. <laughs> you know, they have the yeah. brain of an eight-year-old child. Like if, if you I don't know anybody. I don't know any eight-year-olds as bright as my African Grey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've known a lot of eight-year-olds. I've taught school. I haven't met one yet. That's, <laughs> that's true. Too. Yeah, they, that is that is like my dream bird. I told I told Nick we got a little parakeet now. We got a new one. Turns out that it's a girl. She's not a talker, but she can do every fart noise in the book. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know our little dusty bird, the parakeet. He was a boy, and man, he he could say a lot of stuff. But the African gray, I told Nick, I was like, 
that that's the dream bird right there. That's yeah. the bird that I want to own, and I am so jealous of you right now. We used to have a parakeet too. They are talkers. He used to talk yeah, to a bell. Yeah, if you get a he male, man, his, they will. I yeah. I never knew how much they could talk until we got dusty because I always had female parakeets. And I thought I got another male parakeet, but it turns out she's female, but she's pretty badass, too. So we still love her, even though she's not a boy. We're not going to throw her over to the canyon of Japan and kill her. But, you know, she's pretty cool. We, we've we grown to adapt and love her. Yeah. But i got to say, Tom and Dawn, if you guys want to start off with a bird... Get yourself a little male bungee parakeet because they oh, will I've pop had, your ear off. Yeah, always start I've off small. Them. I also oh, had, another I had another bird for a while, and he was, uh, I forget, a great-breasted parakeet, they call them. But they're big. They're like, you know, the size of a small parrot. And uh, we're in the process of moving one time. And so my ex-husband had smacked the cage and told him to shut the fuck up because he was making so much noise. It was so late at night. Well, he picked that one up real good because every other word was shut, shut the fucking bird up, you know, or shut the fucking bird or fucking bird. And Oh, my God. He, he drove me insane. Or he'd whistle at people when they went past the window. That was another thing he did. It was it was so embarrassing, you know, because, you know, they see me standing there, and it wasn't me. It was the damn bird. Oh, yeah. He, he left that funny. Oh, Teaching the bird swear words. Oh, my God, you should have heard him. He was worse than a, a, cuss worse than a drunken sailor, you know. And if he had to <laughs> well, they're, they're, like they're like it's kids. Coffee. They hear everything, and they repeat everything. Oh, God, yes. And if you had your coffee sitting there. You had to make sure he was in the cage and the cage was shut. Because if the cage was open, he'd try to pick the coffee cup up and drink it. And it would go <laughs> everywhere. Oh, yeah. He was definitely entertaining, to say the least. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so for anybody to say it's just a no. It's not just no. I think done with talking birds for for a while. <laughs> no, I hear that because we lost our beagle Molly in November, last November, and we're, she was the best dog we ever had. And she was fit better than fifteen, so that was we're still hurting for that one. She was a member of the family through and through. Yeah, I still, we still got our two girls, and we got my cat. So that's it. Because nobody's letting me have what I want. Yeah. 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 What I really want, and I want it because I know it would terrify the neighborhood just at the sheer size of it, is a Tibet captain. If you've ever seen a Tibet captain, have you ever seen one? What is it that you want? I, a Tibetan Mastiff. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're. Have you ever seen one? They're they're kind of scary. They're huge, and if it would terrorize the neighborhood, you know, there's another thrill I would have. 
I mean, come on. Walk your dog down the street and scare the shit out of the neighborhood. I'm up with that. Yeah. When I was a kid, there was a family that had a Great Dane that was the size of a pony. And that, that thing scared the hell out of me. They usually kept it fenced up. But one, one day I was walking up a street up the hill, and this Great Dane was trotting down the hill towards me. And I thought I was going to piss my pants. And the damn thing just I, – I just froze. And the damn thing just uh, trotted right past me like I didn't exist. Didn't care about me at all. <laughs> I had no idea where it was going. Yeah, but those Tibetan masses, they're like bears, man. They're enormous. They keep telling me we don't have enough room. So you make room. You make room. Bedroom. Yeah, I have to, I have to walk in over in. They're amazing dogs, though. And they're very family-oriented. They love their families. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, here's here's something I got to ask Fred. Ask Fred? away. All right. I'm here. There are oh, hold on so just a many horror writers my... out there. Okay, hey. who? is the most influential horror author out there that you have read that you think, oh, my gosh, I want to be like this person. I want to write like this person. Who would you say out there? Nicholas Grabowski. Uh, <laughs> Nick said Nicholas Grabowski. <laughs> Nick Grabowski, yeah. Um, you know, I've never wanted... I've never wanted to write like someone. Um, I mean, I guess that's not true. I guess every every writer at some point when they first get started writing, they naturally probably just try to write like their favorite authors. Uh, and that's good for practice, but eventually you have to find your own voice. Uh, but I'll say the, that the ones that got me started in horror... Uh, Peter Straub, Dean Koontz, Stephen King, Poppy Z. Bright, um, Neil Gaiman. You know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people that I read that I said I'd like to be mentioned in the same breath as that person. Tony, that is no. He just uh, ripped a piece of rose bush off with big thorns in it. He's there chewing it as he pulled it out of his mouth. Um, sorry, that, that was my horse I was talking to. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he just tried to eat a rose bush. Uh, let's see. But, it, you know, and you try to, and you would say that, you, you know, you want to be as good as these people and be mentioned in the same breath as these people. Uh, but I've never tried to write like them. I I try to be me, um, and and write that's like a good me. Thing to be. Yeah, uh-huh. you got to be true to yourself, and find your own voice, and write about what excites you, uh, not someone else. That doesn't mean you can't be inspired by other writers, because I certainly have been. Um, 
but that's just my that's just my opinion on and my suggestion for writers that are trying to get started. It's good to emulate other writers, but you have to find your own voice and do it your way. Try not to uh, try not to fall in the trap of to be that other person. You don't want to be the next Stephen King. You want to be yourself. That's, Amen. That, that's Definitely. actually really good advice because a lot of people are thinking, oh, I want to be the next Stephen King. I want to be, like you mentioned, Dean Koontz. Okay, I, I have to admit I'm not a reader growing up. I mean, I read Stephen King. I read Pet Cemetery, I read Misery, and I read Super Fudge. Actually, my mom read me Super Fudge. You know, growing up, going to bed at night, my mom would read a super fudge. What's super fudge? What? Seriously, super fudge? The book, super fudge? I was never heard of it. It was, was like the was diary of the Winter Kids of the eighties. Everybody does heard. know super fudges, right? Huh. I hope Nick is playing yeah, a nope. joke. Never heard of it. Me neither. Okay, so, I Francie, will all listen to you guys tonight on Facebook. Maybe it was an East to South Carolina thing. I don't know. But it was like the Diary of the Wimpy Kids. Sweet Valley High, I did read a couple of those. But, you know, I never considered myself like a reader. And uh, coming here, like Dean Koontz, I know now from Nick, because I've learned a lot of stuff, and I've – I've read your stuff, Fred. I've I've read, you know, I'm getting more of a knowledge. And I think that that was awesome that you said don't write like Stephen King. Have your own voice. Because a lot of people are like, I want to be the next Stephen King. I want to be the next Dean Koontz. I want to be this. And I think that's probably the best advice that you could give any young writer right now out there. Yeah. And also read a lot of different authors. Uh, don't get stuck on any one or two. There's a lot of people out there that uh, are worth reading uh, and have different voices, and you can learn a lot from from them as well. So I, I don't like reading just the same people. I'm always looking for new people to read. Same here. I hear that. Cause they have a lot of different ideas too. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, uh, and you, a lot of different ways to say things. Yeah, and and let me ask you this, because Nick was kind of talking about country music earlier with uh, Tom and me and before we went on air, how country music used to be like this separate genre. It had its own voice. Now, do you yeah. think that horror writing and publishing and you got your self-publishing – do you think that maybe it's all becoming like this big pile of Play-Doh that somebody's just going to try and make something a different creature out of? Or do you think it's still the same, like every story is the same? Um, I think it's like a Play-Doh. I don't know. Yeah. That was the only thing that came to my mind was Play-Doh. Or even a combination, uh, wouldn't you say so, Fred? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, it's okay. So storytelling like music, every, like they say, every song has, al- has already been written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Every song has been written. 
it's a rearrangement of the notes that make it a new song. And it's kind of that way with writing, too. Just about every story has been written. It's really hard to come up with something absolutely new. What you have to try to do is come up with a new way to tell it, a new twist, a new way to say it, a new, a new voice. Um, it's not necessarily about coming up with a, new, a monster that's never been created before or um, a story that's never been told before. That's almost fucking impossible. Uh, you think about all the stories that have been told throughout the years. It's a matter of how can I make this story me, mine, in my voice, with my twist, and my way of telling it. I think that's Amen. where uh, it comes into. Uh, so I'm always trying to find a new way to say something, a new way to tell a story, a new way to, you know. It, I mean, I've read vampire stories that are just uh, derivative. And then I've read vampire stories that are mind-blowingly new. It, but it's all the same stuff. Vampires have been around forever. But there's a new way of saying it, a new way of telling it, uh, some new twist to it that makes it special. So it's, it's a way of finding that, I think. Wait, are you saying that you read Twilight? <laughs> I tried to read Twilight. I tried to read Twilight. I couldn't get through. I, I made it through maybe uh, – the first quarter of it. It's so badly written that I know I couldn't get I couldn't get through it. Uh, my my family dragged me to see the first Twilight movie, um, and, and, and I refused I refused to go to any more of them. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Okay, I believe in finding new ways, but twinkling vampires. I'm sorry, I just can't get on board with that. Vampires with no vampires with no fangs, I can't get on board with that either. I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, we had uh, our a good friend of ours, uh, uh, Spanky Brown, who's a comedian. He was like, you know, I like a good vampire movie, but I don't believe that they should have a curfew at ten o'clock. <laughs> come in at night, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. You know, I I thought that uh, was yeah. a really good thing. There's I was a... like, "Damn, he's right." And then um yeah. We we also have Ron Fitzgerald who's been on the show and you know, cuz and I like your twist on Twilight also. I mean, come on. They're not supposed to be sparkly. So the vicious demons They are from evil Helen. people. Still they people. suck yeah. your blood. Are yeah, you going to yeah. fall in love with a mosquito? At the break of dawn, go, oh, oh look at you. Okay, I guess that it, wasn't a good example, yeah. right? It's, well, no, that it's, okay. <laughs> it's okay to have a, a, a pirate that you can – well, okay, so you're saying that you don't want to fall in love with a vampire. But vampires have become very sensual over the years. They're not the bloated corpse of <laughs> early legend and lore, right? Seductive, I mean, sensuous. Right. You know, uh, like you know I think Franklin of, uh... Jello I think Franklin Jello was like the sexiest vampire. Um the sexiest Dracula and, and uh even Bella Lugosi had a certain sensuality to him. And then there's Barnabas Collins, uh Jonathan Fred, the the vampire with a conscience and uh, a, a sexuality as well. So 
you know, there's there's ways to do it, but uh, I don't know. Twilight just lost me with their uh, family vampires and their uh, no fangs and not drinking. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna suck, I'm gonna sun. suck your blood. They actually did have fangs. Right. You just didn't see them all the time. I've never uh, during John that movie. Proctor's I don't know. I, actually watched was I just Twilight. not looking? Oh, baby, was I, I got not all, looking all close the enough? movies, okay? Hmm. <laughs> never saw Fang. Okay. But, uh, I kind of like the wolf boy, question. <laughs> oh, the guy I that never like had a shirt on? <laughs> I like them both, but I really like the wolf boy. Oh, so you were team I don't know Wolf Boy's name. I don't know it. E- I don't know it either. Yeah. I and I gotta ask you because I see in about ten minutes of Twilight. I mean, we got we got two very great looking guys here, Tom and Fred. She was so boring. It's like <laughs> I thought she did throughout the whole movie. <laughs> How was she attractive? Yeah. To actually like try to get a vampire and a werewolf to fall in love with her? She was no, like so happen. boring. <laughs> That's all yeah, I, I had to wonder about that myself. Going, <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever they say anything. That was the most unbelievable thing about it. If you get into the movie, there you go. See? There, I'm watching there it is. and it's kinda like the television show Awkward on MTV. Oh my gosh! I just admit that I watched Awkward on MTV. I watched every single episode, okay? But the girl on Awkward was like the girl on Vampire. She was so boring, but yet all the guys. Uh, have you guys watched well, that show? I hear you. Here's the thing. If you watch, I have never seen if it. You watch if you watch all the movies, okay? And you follow it all the way through. Bella has some things that all the vampires are envious. She can't be red like some of the others. They can be red or they have different Oh, talents. You know she what it really be. was is she was a diabetic and they just needed some sugar. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they wanted. They were craving some sugar. I think she was talented ways. <laughs> Okay, okay, bad, bad. Fred Weehy's going to be like, I'm never coming back on this show. We're talking about Twilight. We're... No, Fred, Fred. Hey, hey, you know, if you uh, want to talk to uh, Twilight, I don't know a lot about Twilight, so I can't really talk about it that much. But Me neither. <laughs> I, I like you know. it. I saw the movie. So where do you get so many ideas from, Fred? Uh, you know, actually, I don't really know sometimes. Uh, they come from a lot of different places. I'm not really sure sometimes where some ideas come from, but usually from something that happens in real life, even, even if it's just, Mm. even if it's just slightly real life, uh, where it started, it started with that. And then the story that you tell from it isn't even 
close to the real life thing by the time you're done with it. But it's that one real life glimmer in your life. Something happened or you met somebody or you talked to somebody that started that thought process. I've had that happen where I go, oh, that would make a good story. And then I end up writing it and it ends up not even being close Mm -hmm. to what the real story was, but it was the thing that inspired it. Uh, you ever have an idea just pop in your head and like, yeah, that somehow you see something and yeah. an idea pops in your head for like a story. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does. It just it, it, out of nowhere, and um, you and you wonder where in the hell that came from. Um, mm-hmm. What what planted that seed? Uh, something did somewhere along the line. You just don't remember where it came from. Somebody said something. You met somebody. You did something. You read something in the newspaper. Uh, whatever it may, whatever it may be, but ideas are weird things. They're yeah. born, and you, uh, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like you gave birth to a baby, but you don't know who the father is. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I have no, yeah. I have no That's idea. About... I have no idea who fucked me, but here's the here's the kid, uh, well. and it, and it's just kind of born out there into the world. And well, sometimes that, and that kid takes years to come out too. Oh, it does. Sometimes it That's does. I've had true. stories yeah. brewing in my head for yeah. years that finally I get around to telling. Um, now, now I got. It, I do have be a question right because this has actually happened to me, and uh, I do have two writers here. I got two great writers, Tom and Fred. Have you ever well, been you got, like Nick, a wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have this dream. You have, hold it, Francie. You have three great writers. You have Nick. He's there to yeah. still. Oh, right? he's inside, so. Oh, he left us. He's inside. Okay. He's not listening to this question. Nick! I should get Nick out here. We, we should have Let three great writers out here to answer this question. Nick! Uh... Nick! Fred said, get your butt out here before he comes and kicks. Yeah, what the hell is he doing leaving my interview? Uh, okay, Fred, uh, Nick said, please come to Sacramento so he can, uh, you can kick his butt. No, okay, okay, Nick, this is a good question. Okay. Has Oh, wait, Nick, yeah. open the door and let Smokey in. He's right there. I let the cat out. There he goes. He's back in. Okay, so let me ask you this. In the middle of a dream, has anybody ever woken up and said, holy crap, i got to write that dream down? Yep. That would be a great story. Yeah, I've gotten a couple stories and a couple pieces of poetry that way um, where I, I woke up and it was in my head and I got up and I put down everything I could remember before I went back to back to bed. You never want to yeah. go back to sleep because you'll lose it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's like I got to write it now. Right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and yeah. you try to say no, I got to go to sleep. I'll remember in the morning. Nope. You got to you got to no. get out of bed and you got to write it now. Sometimes that's, it, that's it's even to me hard. Too, and I'm I came up with this and great idea. And I think idea. that that's probably one of the worst things that happens to writers now is we just don't get no sleep. Well, that's yeah. Um, but you don't want to lose it. I mean, I've had it happen where I was thinking – I was on a long drive, and I was thinking of a story, and I practically wrote the damn thing in my head from beginning to end. Um, and then, But I couldn't – I didn't 
there's no way I could write it down. Uh, and I didn't have anything to dictate it or anything like that. So when I got to where I was going, I couldn't do it either. It was like a day later I tried to recall it, and I couldn't recall hardly any of it. Um, so, you, you know, it's like you've got you've to write it down when it's fresh in your head. Um, otherwise, you can, you can lose it. So then, I, yeah, I started carrying something where I could at least dictate the idea down and some words down so it would, you know, uh, carry a little, so I can listen to it later. Thing. Yeah. Well, it's hard to do a notebook when you're driving. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, or your phone, you could rec- do the camera part and record your voice into it or something. I mean, that yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You never want to trust your memory too much. No. Especially <laughs> no. as you get, when you get as old as I am. You don't really want to trust your memory. Because yeah, we get that sometimers, some, you know, that sometimers disease. Sometimes you remember right. it, sometimes you don't. Sometimers disease. Yeah, my my kids called it old timers, but yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely have here's, some old timers. Here's a question, because uh, Fred, I I know that you have children, and I know well, that you are, also. Well, they're adults, but. Uh, huh. My kids are adults now, but yeah, I have kids. Well, you you they're have 30, they're thirty and twenty. Children. They're, they're adults and now. 26. I met your son, which is <laughs> I gotta tell you, probably one of the most politest gentlemen I've ever met in my life. All right, my but kids were always like, very well hello. behaved. Very yeah. well behaved. Um, and, growing, and he's, he's uh, you a, know, he's you're writing uh, science fiction horror urban legend stuff your kids were young at one time when you started writing did you think to yourself because i know that you write like holiday madness and i believe fright fright house is also a young adult book right it is yeah I guess yeah, it's okay so for 13 did you think about when you were your kids were growing up um did you think about man I want my kids to read this. I gotta tone this down. I gotta. Did you find that hard for writing? And you're teaching a creative writing class, not only to adults but also of kids of all age, which means you're inspiring young minds and you want them to read your stuff too. Do you find it hard to push the boundaries? Like, oh, I can't say this word. Oh wait, I can't. Do you find it harder to write, being the fact not, that you want younger kids to mm, read your book? Not really. No, you can tell. It's amazing how you can tell a story without using "fuck." Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Jesus Christ, or goddamn, you can Crap. tell the just, same story. Am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to say those? Am I allowed to say yeah, those? Yeah, yeah, you're already seventeen. Yeah, okay. I already have. Well, you're I already good. Have time. Um, it's nice of me to ask now after I've used them, but it, it, it's amazing how um, when I was writing those stories that and Fright House that it's re- the stories never changed. I just, it's amazing you write the same story. I I never pulled my punches with scare or even gore, really for that matter. Um, and they're basically the same stories without using bad language. Um, now, yes, okay, I consciously did not have sex 
uh, in the in those stories. Uh, but then, but then I realized that for the stories that I wrote, I didn't need a sex scene. Um, it did. It it would have just if I put one in, it would just be gratuitous sex anyway. So uh, the story never changed. It was still the same story. So um, no, I didn't really find it that hard. I. I had a story. I had a story set in my mind, and I told the story, and I didn't worry about whether it was okay for thirteen-year-olds or fourteen-year-olds or fifteen-year-olds or adults. I, I think it's a story that thirteen-year-olds, and I've even have, I've had ten and eight-year-olds read some of my stuff and email me Hi. and tell me how much they loved it and stuff. Uh, but you know. I don't think about that when I'm writing a story. I just let the story tell itself. Um, But yes, consciously in my mind, I know I can't use a lot of dirty words, Uh, but it doesn't really change the story. Um, Every now and then it might change a character, but I don't usually like there's this one character and and Alaric monster hunter is definitely not a uh, young adult novel. And I mean, there are sex scenes, um, I will even say running scenes, and and some ba- and there's a character in there that says a, you know that curses every other word, but that's who he is. That's part of who he is. Uh, the king of the gypsies. He curses like it's like a you know a sailor. It's part. It's who that character is. So that story can't be told because it would change his personality and his character, and he's. Um, He's pertinent to the story, and his character has to stay the same. So you yeah. got to make sure that the story you want to tell is one that you can tell for that audience. And then the ones that you can't, you write for a different audience. I mean, I definitely have adult stories. I'm working on a collection right now called The Collected Nightmares that's definitely for 17 on up. I wouldn't advise any ki- any parents to let their kids read it. Um But then I'm also working on a young adult novel that is okay for kids, but I I know that adults would love too because I don't pull the I don't pull punches when it comes to this the fright and the scare and the the suspense and even the the gore. And you know that that that's one thing that you got to admire about you. Uh, when when I first started dating Nick, I was in South Carolina. And he was the book that you were first working on. It was Fred Weehy's Holiday of Madness, which did very well. You know, you were the first artist that I, author that I was introduced to that Nick was working on. I was like, wow, Fred Weehy. And he was like, hey, you know, read it. it, it it's, and I'm, I'm listening to you, and I haven't read your gory stuff, but I think that that is, brilliant that you're so versatile in everything that you can write this like character that cusses and yet you can be so nice i mean the meeting you in person it was it i think we met at the scottish the scottish uh oh rainy young oh yeah the right scottish yeah, in right. sacramento <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and you're so nice, and you're like one of the <laughs> nicest know? people that 
and most horror people You know, you're are. talking about That's your character and how you couldn't change this character. He had to cuss. Okay? Do you find, like, when you're laying in your bed at night, do you find that your characters are talking to you throughout the day and when you're trying to sleep? Like, hello, you better write no, this. <laughs> No, I can usually turn them off at night, but yes, they do talk to they do talk to me uh, throughout the day and when I'm writing them and uh, and keep me I hope keep me true to who they are. I never want to change. So, in other words, I never in answering your your original question, I never want to change a character or force a story into a particular market. So if if the story that I'm going to tell, I have to force it like a, a round peg in a square hole or whatever, however you want to put it, if I have to force it into that, then that's not going to work. It's got – the story yeah. has to be – I have to find the right story for the right market. I'm not going to take a story that's in my head and go, well, I really need a young adult novel, so I'm going to take this story and I'm going to mold it into a young adult novel – uh, that's not going to work. It's not. It's going to take away from the story. You're not being true to yourself, yeah. and there's no way you can be true to your characters either. So I won't do that. I won't force the story to be something it's not. That's your Damn, first, good that's advice. Your, that's I your first hope role. that. I hope that young, inspiring writers just heard that, because that yeah. was probably the most bad-ass advice that any writer could give any upcoming artist, uh, author that's coming up. I call them artists because writing is an art. It's not just oh, sitting oh, down on the computer and said, well, you know, see Johnny run, see Johnny skip. It's not that. <laughs> well, it is art because you're painting, you're painting pictures only with words. If you're if you're doing the right if you're doing the job the right way you're painting the you're painting the pictures with the words so the reader can see it all happening in their head. Yeah. Uh, so it is hard. Do that. Yes. I mean, amen. Yeah. And then back to you saying back to you saying that you know a horror writer I just want to say that horror writers and horror horror people in general like filmmakers producers directors writers are the nicest most down to earth people I've ever met. It amazes everybody. Thinks that horror people are weird and creepy, and you know, and and we are, but ah, not really. I've always seen that. Not really. We just really love the weird and creepy. Nice people, right? They're really just down to earth, nice people. I've met some of the nicest people at horror conventions, um, and every, but but this, I'll tell you this story about. This is what people think about horror writers. I don't know if I if I've told you the story before. Stop me. But I was on jury duty once. And uh, unfortunately, they had narrowed it down to about uh, 15 or 20 of us, and they had us sitting in chairs in a long line in the courtroom uh, on these folding chairs, just lined up side by side going through the courtroom. And the, the defense attorney and the prosecution were taking turns asking each of us questions, and they're going down the line. Um, and I had this young girl who's probably in her 20s sitting to my left, and they were coming from my right. So they got to me, and they asked me my name, of course, and they asked me what I do. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to be a little coy here. 
I'm just going to say that I'm a writer. So I just said I'm a writer. And he goes, oh, what kind of writing? Okay, he's going to push it. Uh, I'm a novelist. Because I didn't want to say I was a horror writer. I go, okay, well, I'm a novelist. And I thought he would let it go with that. And the the uh, prosecution did. But then the defense attorney got up and said, well, what kind of novels do you write? And I so there was no avoiding it. And I said, horror novels. And the girl sitting next to me jumped up out of her seat, screamed, and ran from the courtroom. And actually <laughs> left the courtroom like I was going to get up and murder God. her. And the whole courtroom like went completely silent for a second, and then everybody burst out laughing. Uh, it was it was it was one of the weirdest things. They never did get that girl to come back. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And that's what that people think. So that's funny. what people think when they when they think of horror writers and horror people. Like you are uh, a serial. They put you on the same level as a serial killer. I guess I don't know. Uh, I, I, and you know, I you know, know and you know, uh, the best therap- therapeutic thing that a person could do is write horror. I agree. Oh, with that. oh it is. I, it's cathartic as hell. Speaking of killing yeah. people in the woods, in Werewolf, I killed my ex-boyfriend in the woods. I slaughtered him. <laughs> I named him Dan. Well, there's a few people I'd like to do it too, but I don't know. There's even you I'd like and, to and you get to write it. They say that the comedians are the most depressed people, and the horror writers are the most comic people. Okay, I don't write, but boy, I could tell you some things I'd like to do to people. Oh, you should write it down in a short story and get it yeah. in a magazine. Yeah. I, you know I, I, could a hair, I could make you pull your hair out, okay? Um, things that I would like to do to certain people. Yeah. I find creating I people that a, characters based on people that piss you off, killing them off in the worst way, is very therapeutic. I feel better. Oh, yeah. I don't go to jail. I'm not sued. And <laughs> you feel like it exactly. did good. Well, I haven't done nothing right. yet. I haven't done nothing yet. I've well, thought about it, but I haven't done it yet. Well, uh, uh, Don, don't kill anybody. Just write oh, it down. Oh, there's just one I'd like to at least maim a little bit anyway. Suffer. Yeah, you need to write it. You need to write it. Yeah, you don't. You don't give the last names because then you know there might be a problem. But you know, you just mention the first names of people that you want to like brutally. Oh yeah, I'd use his whole name. Okay. You have no idea what I want to you do. Don't want to use, you don't want to use anybody's real name. No, change it a little <laughs> you bit. Just, you just uh, you just don't. I you would, wanna you wanna come it, up with you know, something that fits their personality. Or similar. Oh yeah. That would scare you guys, Not too okay? Similar, but similar. This would scare I, you I guys. Gotta, okay? I gotta read uh some critics' reviews, uh, Fred, that I have seen about Fright House, your newest book. And I'm going to embarrass you a little bit because you oh God. are a badass writer and a lot of people like your Fright House. A Fright House is an so. inviting, chilling, old school, spooky story that teens will love. Pretty damn impressive right there. Wow, who said um, that? 
uh, a wild roller coaster ride through a house of horrors unlike any you've read about before. And I love this one. Unsettling Fright House made me look over my shoulder as I read this alone at night. Fred Weehy wrote a horror novel in league with Poltergeist. Dude, that's pretty damn impressive. That's that's really nice of people. Uh, but that you know that goes back to what I was saying earlier about. So, I mean, haunted house stories, ghost stories, or money were new, new. Then thousands of ghost stories. So you got it. So I took this story, and you got to um, put your own made twist it mine on it. And put your own twist on it, um, and your own voice. Uh, that's what I meant by, you know, every story's basically been told. It's how you tell it. And I love Poltergeist, so I love being compared to Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, and let me go. Let me go to the website, and I can tell you everybody that. Uh, let me go back to that website. I copied and pasted that on the Microsoft Word. But I can go to that website that I found all those on, and I can tell you exactly who said those. And those that was just like the tip of the iceberg. There are so many reviews on on uh, Fright House. I mean, just with you alone. Um, Fright House is an inviting, killer, old-school, spooky story that teens will love. Creepy and highly entertaining. Jonathan Mayberry. What the hell? New York Times. Jonathan Mayberry? Come on! (laughs) That's right. He did say that. (laughs) One of the most respected (laughs) authors today. What? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you I, had to tip your hat off at that one. Oh, you know, I got to butt in. I got to butt in. Hi, Fred. Hey, Nick. Hey. What's <laughs> up? I got to butt in. Um, I, I heard Jonathan Mayberry. I, I think um, <clears throat> you guys will be thrilled to know. And and, and um, although the contract isn't signed, uh, it's Francie and Friends Radio, and we can say whatever we want anyway. But I've been working on um, – <laughs> Uh, a reworking of uh, our Forrest J. Ackerman's Anthology of the Living Dead. I've been talking to Joe Moe um, off and on on the phone and everything, and uh, uh, I expect it to come out this Christmas. Um, but I I want it to be uh, like uh, like big names, like big names or names associated with Forrest J. Ackerman. I'm actually going to hire, for the first time, actually actually hire a an illustrator. <laughs> And uh, uh, and I I I want to um, um, I want to be uh, I want to make black bedsheet books like a like a competing publisher too, not just you know settling just to publish great authors and promote them, but I want to um, I want to build ourselves so that we get you know we 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 climb up the ladder and. Um, and I'm trying to find good ways to do that, and a, and and a good way is to go this route. Anyway, um, so that said, uh, I got Jonathan Mayberry to say yes to doing a short story for it. All oh, right. Wow. Yes. 
So that's right. the foundation. The so bit, now I'm going to hit up man. some others. And I want it to be not just your everyday zombie uh, um, short story collection. Uh, like like the, the last Forrest J. Ackerman was, uh, if you look at it, it's, you take away the Ackerman name, it's a collection of zombie short stories with some good names. And we had like Del Howison and, um, and Joe Moe even contributed to that and, and, uh, and a lot of others. But, um, but in essence, it was just another zombie anthology. So I want to make it more of an Ackerman tribute and get like directors to contribute, and, uh, not necessarily like great writers, even though we, we got one and I'm shooting for more. But I want other voices that, that aren't like really, you know, um, uh, big in literature, but they're like other directors that can have anecdotes and, you know, stuff. So I'm working on that. But, but I just had to interject because I'm excited about it. So this is kind of a semi-official announcement. I just had to – I knew that you guys would dig it, both you, Fred, and Tom, especially, both of you guys. So, you know, that's one thing so that we can, like, elevate black bedsheets so that we, we have, like, good names um, behind us. Uh, that are really big in the industry, and then that helps us all. It makes people like, you know, focus in on what else do we have? And oh yeah, we, well we've got Fred, right. we've got Tom Sawyer. So and Tom, <laughs> by the Yo. way, I swear to God, I want to live to see the day where a high school t- English teacher tells their class that there's a difference between um, Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer and not the famous horror writer. <laughs> nice. and, and you, Fred, too. Yeah. If you become famous, writing. you're condemned of a life of of people going. Is it? Is it? Why? Yeah, or we? Why? Way? We? Yeah. <laughs> why, why? Now, how do you pronounce that damn name? Yeah. I, my answer hey, is always famous, you can pronounce it any way you want, as long as you buy a book. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, if you're famous, they'll remember it. <laughs> When you get famous, they'll remember it because they'll know how to. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you guys. So yeah, I'll, I'll uh, send you back to, to cool. Francesca. Oh, she's saying no. She wants me to keep talking. Okay, I'll keep talking for a second. Anyway, those that are listening, though, I I'm actually talking to uh, to two great horror authors, in in their own right. They're fantastic horror authors. You gotta check out their books um, because um, Fred's the official guest. Uh, check out his books first, and then go and check out Tom's. <laughs> really, no, doesn't really matter which order, but I mean, he's the guest, so he's kind of first. But they're both great yeah. authors. Great, you guys are great visionary authors when it comes to your short stories, and I've seen you progress over the years. It's really fantastic. It's really great that you've kept up with it, because I've seen so many people that are really good authors, and they just, you know, they their lives get, you know in the way or um you know you guys exhibit like the kind of passion that that makes a great author and over time you just i mean gosh i mean and fred i've known fred (laughs) since uh i first went on the internet around like 2001 or something came across some of his older stuff and remember those days wow yeah um i think strange days was the first that was the first, the first thing that we connected mine. with, and yeah, I read yours. Yeah, that's the first that we connected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, though, online it was like, remember back in the days online when we first had, um, like, cheap websites and everybody had those banner exchanges? 
and stuff. Right. And I would yeah. like Fred Weehy, yeah. author, horror author, and we'd exchange banners. <laughs> That's right. when I yeah. first heard That's of you, right. actually, before Strange Days. Yeah. Was the whole that whole banner exchange thing, and it was kind of important because that was kind of like the beginning of social media in a way. Outside of like emailing with you know AOL, you right. got mail. Um, but then the banner, that thing was was really big. Um, right. Yeah. Banner exchange, link exchanges. Uh, but I want to go back to what you said about you know the thing about writers is really the true writers. If you're a writer, it's who you are. It's not really what you do. So I've never understood you say that, you know, you stay passionate and we stay with it. And probably Tom feels the same way that I'm a writer. It's what I do. I can't change that. I'm not going to stop writing. Even if I never published another novel or short story, I still a writer. I would never stop. It's part of my life. So life can't get in the way. Sure. Life gets in the way sometimes and you, you have to put it aside, but, a writer always comes back to it. It's you have to, you have to, you have you you have to write if you're a writer. At least I do. I can't. Well, you know, her. My wife, passion. my wife will say that if I'm not writing, I'm the crankiest, grumpiest person in the world to be around. Uh, that yeah, she always here. knows when I'm when I'm not <laughs> when I'm not writing. She can tell by my personality. <laughs> I'm always happy when I'm writing. Uh, so. Yeah, that's never going to – I don't know. I figure I'll be writing a short story or a novel on my deathbed trying to get the last scene in before I die. Uh, I don't see it any other way. Probably. You know, I don't either. Uh, I imagine the closer to death I feel I'm getting, the more productivity you'll see from me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I you know. know. Before I die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I like to think that people that are that authors or writers are still, even if they're not publishing, they're still writing. That they're not giving up their voice. Um, just keep writing. Uh, you know, those some unfortunately some people do. Um, so there is like a difference, and and um, uh, passion is is the probably the most important factor in it too because there are some people that um that have come up with some great great stuff and then nothing because other things get in the way and then i hear about them yeah. and they go ah i haven't written for like a couple of years since then i'm going what what you got to keep writing you, you got to find some excuse but then there's writers like us that we just, no matter what, we just have to. I mean, like my days when I was working at Walmart when I first came up here in 95 to move with my parents when my sister was missing and stuff, those days, back in those days, I, I don't know how I did it, but I, I, uh, I worked a full-time job. I, I went to karaoke all the time at, and bars, and I would come back and I would work on the Everborn. You know, I, and I still looking back, I don't know how in a 24-hour period I, I ended up doing yeah. all that, and I still ended up writing that book. But you know, you find a way if there's that passion and determination enough to where it just nags at you and nags at you, and you just have to keep doing it. And and I think it's also uh, kind of like a like a, a good disease or something or 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 a good addiction. Where when you feed into it, it just keeps 
snowballing where you have to do it more and more. That's what, why I think some of these writers give up, too, is because they don't do it enough, and they don't get the addiction. It's like a drug. If you don't do it enough, it's like, eh. Right. <laughs> but if you do it every right. day, they get kick, addicted, and you can't help habit. it. You can't stop. <laughs> yeah, they kick the habit. Uh, mm. Which is something yeah, that you don't want to do. Much. So the, it's, I mean, that's I mean, probably the best writing, analogy I can think of for it. Yeah, with writing, you have to you you have to stay with it and keep with it and write every day or every you know a few times a week. You can't just uh, you can't just put it aside because you will you will find let's face it you will find a million reasons not to write. Oh, I'm going to go do the. I'm going to mow the lawn first, and then I'll write. Uh, I, I got to run to the grocery <laughs> store, and then I'll sit down and write a couple chapters. Oh, I, I've got to do this with the kids or whatever. There's always reasons not to write. You have to find reasons to write, to counteract those, and push yourself. And the more you do it, the more you write, the, the easier it is to write. I mean, I know it sounds like a cliche, oh. but it's true. If if you're used Practice to sitting down perfect. every day. Yeah, if you're used to sitting down every day and writing, it becomes part of your routine. Uh, it's a habit. Uh, and you, it's like bodybuilding you, you without you using your muscles. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. You're not exercising your muscle. Um, it's like anything. And you get flabby. Yeah. Um, and then you don't feel like writing because, oh, God, that's it's, it's now work because now I have to start exercising again. Uh, yeah. So you got to, yeah, it's something you got to stick with and stay with. Um, I have not, to admit, though, there's, I don't know. I have to admit, yeah. sometimes and I if you exercise and you come back, you don't really feel like writing because you're so pumped up. You want to like do something else that's active. <laughs> it's like, it's like a right. It's like um, oh, what do you call it? There's a term for it. Uh, I forgot. But Francie's trying to communicate with me. I think. I think we might have another caller. Yeah, okay, hold on. Okay. is throwing pillows at me right now. Hold on. She's like, she even threw Marvy at me a couple of times. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Oh, remember, that's area code 803. Oh, my gosh. Everybody. Now, Don, Tom, you yeah. both spoke to her before. Yes. That's my mom. Hello. Hi, Mom. Oh, oh hi. Hi, Francis, Mom. It's Sandy. Yes. How are you, Nick? Oh, Nick. Nick went. Nick. Yes, my mom. Hi, Sandy. Hello. Hey, Nick. Hi. I was. Now, I was listening now, to your Mom, conversation. I got to tell you something. Remember when you used to read a Super Fudge every night before we went to bed? Yeah, I read Scotty. Did I read it to you too? They've never heard of Super Fudge. Well, there's a whole series of them. I know, and these are supposed to be the greatest writers of all time, and nobody's heard of Super Fudge. Well, maybe he's a Southern writer. I'm, I'm yeah, California is another country. <laughs> California is another country. Hey, you're my mom, Fred. You're you're the only one who hasn't. I, I got to tell you, Fred, mom. He is like one of the most kindest and gentlest 
and yet vicious writer you could ever read today. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. Oh, that's a good way to describe nice somebody. <laughs> Which comes you can first, tell me nice on that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this is this has really been a great show, and you know, my mom. I don't get to talk to her too often because she's three hours behind me, and she's calling in. <gasps> okay. Now, mom. Yep. You, you're you not really a reader either, but what kind of books do you want to read? None. Huh? <laughs> None. I told you she's not a reader. Uh, who's your favorite author? Uh, Moroni, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, or it could be Alma. So, I think Alma. So, uh, Fred, with How everything... How do you explain that, Francie? Huh? How are you going to explain that? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Francie, your mother's talking to you. That's right. <laughs> and who's Alma? <laughs> so, Hello? Uh, Fred, uh, your favorite horror movie. Who are you talking to oh, now? Wow. Fred? You didn't answer your mother, Francie. Yeah. Alma Hello? is in the book. Okay? Alma is what? Is in the Book of Mormon. Oh, okay. Okay. So when it comes to horror movies, what is your favorite horror movie? Oh, I have to pick one. That's how. Uh, I've all. I, let's see. I love From Dust Till Dawn. And the, one of the reasons I love From Dust Till Dawn is because it doesn't start out as a horror movie. It starts out as something totally different. Two brothers, uh, one helping the other one escape from jail on the lamb. They kidnap a family. Uh, one is psychotic. Um, they're the villains, and uh, the poor family's kidnapped and, and taken. And then they, the second half of the movie, they end up in this bar on the Mexican border called From Dust to Dawn. And it's a vampire bar. And now the the villain, George Clooney, the, the bad guy, becomes the hero. And sit, and has to save the family and other people from the vampires and kill the vampires. I love that. I love that twist of the the bad guy becoming the good guy. You never thought of it that way. That, it's, like, it's like watching two different movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Um, and then I like some of the, I, I mean, I love Poltergeist, the original one. I was trying to watch the remake uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't make it through it. I thought it was, I thought, why am I watching this? I, sh- I could be watching the original, which is much better. Um, 
so I love a good ghost story. Oh, but the the movie that scared the hell out of me as a kid was the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, love that movie. One that scared me was the original Haunting, and uh, later oh, yeah, on, the Haunting, yeah, yeah, the scared the hell out of me, even when I was older. Yeah, yeah, that I love that one. Uh, really great movie. Don't watch the remake. Um, I've seen the remake; it's stunk. Too many yeah, special so, effects. Yeah, it, they, the story and the characters suffered for the special effects. Why is it when they do a remake of a classic, they always think that special effects makes it better? Yeah, uh, yeah the special effects are better in Poltergeist too, the remake, but the story's not, and the characters aren't, and the chemistry between the characters aren't. So, no, I'm like George C. Scott's The Changeling, but that one was. Oh yeah, I like that too. Yeah, Funhouse movie. Yeah, I love The Exorcist. Um, great movie. Oh, scared the, scared the, the bejesus out of me. Yeah, love The Exorcist. Um, Exorcist I actually like the Blair Witch What did you guys think of The Exorcist Two? That was stupid. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> Just like Poltergeist <laughs> Two was. Oh Poltergeist gosh. Two was bad. Okay, okay, but what about Exorcist 3? I loved Exorcist 3. The writer directed it. I don't remember if I saw Exorcist 3. I think I hated 2 so much that I didn't even give 3 a try. What? And 
Yeah. Fred and Tom, I will be sending you this video clip on your Facebook page tonight. Oh, it is like no. one of the. No, they got to watch the whole movie. They got to watch yeah, the whole movie. Is that trout? Is that trout? That might. Yeah, when, but that might spoil uh, it for them. And down. Mm-hmm. Up. I promise I will watch down. the whole movie. Yeah, we're on your pending afterwards. You're standing very close to me, Father. Yeah. You smell that? I haven't bathed in three days. <laughs> I think George E. Scott, like, totally ad-libbed that whole scene. I think that, that was an ad-lib, and I think that it was brilliantly done. Because it yeah. was way too raw. It was way too raw. Like, they couldn't even, like, put any kind of special effect in that. And it was yeah. Exorcist Three added a lot of. Do not let Exorcist Two turn you away from Exorcist Three because it was very brilliantly made. I loved it. I had to keep seeing it. Just by luck, I ran a movie theater and I just kept watching it. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Exorcist three. I, it, I think I've seen every. Mom. I think I've seen every one of them. Yeah, I I seen Exorcist two, and I'm just like, yeah, this is kind of boring. It's slow, but it Exorcist was little, three it wasn't. Was it was. They came back with a vengeance. Yeah, it was a little slow. I'll agree with that. I think I've seen all of them. Yeah, Exorcist two was a little slow. But Exorcist Three was amazing. A yeah. very great film. Good I can... Oh, Fred. Yes. Fred, Fred. So you've got yes. to watch you you have not seen Exorcist Three. I have not. I will see it. I will watch it. We will kill him at the stakes. So I gotta <laughs> ask you this. Because every day you go on Facebook, I'm sure that people want your advice. People want you want advice because writing's not simple. It's not a simple thing to do. People think, oh, I can just sit down at a computer and I can just type some words. Right. Bam, I got a book. Right. Everybody thinks it's they not have a that book way. It's it's yeah. like you said you got to paint a picture a picture with words. Yeah. What is the most valuable advice that you've ever gotten from an author and what is the best advice you've mm-hmm. ever given to an author? Ah. Oh, wow. Wow. Um Let's see. It's a double um, question. Yeah. Oh God. And you're you're pushing my memory too. Uh, <laughs> the best advice I've gotten from an author. Um, wow. I don't know. I can't really remember. I've gotten advice from a lot of different people. 
Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you something tonight is that what we've learned from you tonight is you make your own voice. You I do. make your own voice. Nobody decides your voice. And That's I true. think I do. that. And yeah, and every story I tell has you, their man, own voice too. Like the best advice. Uh, that you I was told, right, what you know. I'm going to go ahead and That's say that because yeah, that right was what, very yeah, right powerful you know. words that you said tonight. You make your voice. Okay, we'll make that my best advice to <laughs> that I've given <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to come up with another one. I like Tom's. Uh, write what you know. Uh, yeah, that, everybody you know, says write what you know, but but at the what, same time. You have to you have to know a lot, so you have to keep learning. Uh-huh. Uh, so, in other words, if you only write what you know, um, and you don't then go you're and never you don't be go out, out there box. and expand and expand your mind and expand your knowledge, then you're going to get in a rut with what you write. So, you want to expand uh-huh. your knowledge and be able to write new things. Um, so, you have to know a lot. So, you're always reading, researching. Uh-huh. Uh, watching documentaries or movies or whatever and expanding that knowledge so you, you're writing what you know. Uh, write what you love. I think that's that probably too. the best advice I've yeah. gotten from somebody. I can't remember who told me that, but someone once told me way, way back when I first started writing it, you know, um, <clears throat> don't write what you think is going to sell. Write what you love. If you write oh, what you know, awesome. you'll be able to sell it. Uh, I think that's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten, and I've always wow, tried to live that by that. Wow, that's actually pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're just writing something you think um, you're you're not going to have any passion for it or any real conviction behind it, it's got to be a story that you feel strongly about. It can't just be because oh, this is hot right now in the market, so I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to make some money. I'm going to bank um, off of it, yeah. it can't be that way. Yeah. Or write for the sake At of writing because you love to write, Oh, I met a money. girl. We had sex in a hotel, and, you know, that's all you hear about all day. Or everybody be happy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, well, let's just go back to Twilight. After Twilight came out, how many wannabe Twilight writers came out with their – crap because they saw it sold and and they jump on the bandwagon it's not something they feel strongly about it's just they want to be able to uh jump make on money. that bandwagon and and hopefully make some money the best books yeah. are the ones that you can't put in a niche like that that the writer had it has a connection with the story and it's a story that they have to tell has no it, you, it may never sell when you're writing a story, you don't know if it's going to sell or not. It's just a story that you have to tell, um, and those are usually the best stories. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I'm sure that Tom and Fred, all of you have heard this. Wait, you wrote this book. Why are you doing this daytime job? It's kind of like, well, it's called Books a Million for a Reason. You're not out there to make a million bucks because you know you're not going to make a million bucks because there's right. a million bucks out, the books out there. 
you're out there because you want the people to read the books, and you give out the free free books to, like, let's say, coworkers, your bosses, and it's like, just read my book. I don't, I'm not, I'm giving you this away for free. I just want you to read it, and tell me what you think. It's not about making the money. It's about you want people to read your work, and you don't even want feedback, really. You just want your voice heard, right? Yeah, I usually tell a story because I need to tell it. Uh, It's a story that I need to get out of me and tell it. Whether anybody reads it or not, I don't know, but it needs to be said for me. Um, I, bear, I don't really give books away. I'm sorry, Francie. <laughs> I don't yeah. usually give books away. But, and I, oh, but I do, I, I've I mean, given I do, a couple I do away. Like promotional <laughs> you know, stuff. I've given, get yeah, a I've new given job. some away. But I, like you want to but I expect boss, my family. And you're like, hey, look what I did. No, I, like, I don't give them to family and friends. I give them, I give them away to, like, uh, I give them away for like uh, to get, to build some readership and that like I'll do it on Facebook oh. and stuff and have giveaways. But I expect my family and friends to buy my book. <laughs> if I was a plumber, they would hire me to do their plumbing. So why in the hell not spend their money on my book and support me that way too? Amen. Amen to that, man. Yeah, I mean, come on. They, everybody <laughs> wants a free book. It's like, well, if I came to your house and fixed your sink, would you do it? Would you not pay me? And you know, uh, yeah, that's actually funny. You just gave a a whole new way of selling books. You're not going to pay me to do your plumbing. No, yeah. <laughs> if I was a plumber and they hired me to do their plumbing, they'd pay me, right? Even though they yep. were my brother or my sister I or never my, you know, that. So why wouldn't they I pay me for? Why wouldn't they go out and buy my book? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, was brilliant. No, I, I, I've never given away to my family and friends. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't. I never have. I might owe if I owe them a few that. bucks. Huh? I might if I give them one if I owe them a few bucks for mowing my lawn or something, you know. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I, I've given some away as a birthday present or like, yeah. I, no, I have given them to a. I have given them to a niece or a nephew um, or something like that, uh, but but not – yeah, brothers and sisters and my parents when they were alive and uncles and aunts. No, I, I, don't, I don't give them away to them. I expect them to go out and buy a book. <laughs> I don't know. No apologies. <laughs> well, I agree with you, man. We gotta make a living too. That. Yeah, I ha- that's exactly it. I have to make a living too. I wouldn't hire them to do something for me and not pay them. I wouldn't expect them to do something for free. So, um, you know, uh, that's what I tell them. So they either buy one or they don't. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Uh, but I'll give them away as uh, promotional things for, like I've given them away for kids and things like that. But. Um, Strangers. Yeah. I gave one away at a, like I do a convention. I've been giving out like uh, door prizes to, for raffle and stuff for charity and stuff right. too. 
right yeah i'll do i'll do stuff like that but um uh every you have to make a living and mm-hmm. all i want out of writing uh as in living wise is make enough to live off of i don't need to be a millionaire or anything just enough to live and I what i have i don't either. have yeah i don't have people tell asking me why i uh why why am i writing instead of you know uh, I got a job. Why am I writing? What they ask me is, why don't you? Get, what they tell me is, well, why don't you get a real job? I hear that oh. a lot. When are you going to? My mother-in-law used to say that to me. Uh, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> like writing's not yeah. a real job. <laughs> you know, like oh well, you know, I don't know. I thought this was a real job, but okay. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had that. I've had that question put to me, but uh, I'm mean, unfortunate. My mother-in-law hasn't said that. I, they, they think I'm pretty good at it, so that's that's kind of a nice compliment. So I've been lucky. Good, that way, that's so. that's good. Oh, my my mother-in-law used to ask me all the time too, what, if I would write anything besides horror, like a good romance. <laughs> you haven't asked that. I say no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to write a romance. You know. Uh, I've write I've written yeah. horror novels that have uh romance in them. That's your count for Yeah, nothing. same here. Yeah. Do you find uh, but no. sex and gore are I think my philosophy is um less is more. I don't need to do a penthouse forum to give somebody an idea what they're doing. I mean, I keep it simple. Do you try to do that too? I mean even yeah. with gore too. I just think, yeah. you know, you get an idea of somebody hit somebody in the head with it. You know, decapitate somebody with an axe. I don't need to go into, you know, a ooze all over, you know. Yeah, that I think kind of that thing. I think that less is more uh for both gore and sex. I'm not writing pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm uh, it depends on the it it depends on the message I'm trying to get across or what's important sometimes there is sometimes the sex scene has more than other sex scenes that i've done but it Uh depends on on the theme or what i'm trying to get across or the mood but yeah i'm not writing pornography and i'm also not writing um snuff films so the gore you know you're killing them too and i mean there's a fine line i think that less is more i think that's i i find that with um some tv shows and some movies now too where the sex just seems to go over the top, and so does yeah. the, the gore, where it just goes Same over here. the top and goes on and on. And you think uh, it really didn't need to go that far. Um, you know, I got it. That's you know, they're just trying to shock you. It's all just for mm-hmm. shock and whatever. Um, so yeah, and I hate that I, I never put in. Uh, Gratuitous sex or gore, just to, just for sex or gore's sake. I try if it if it has nothing to do with the story, then I don't need it. Um, so I try not to do that too, just to uh, just to have it in there. Ooh, I haven't had a gory scene in a while. I think I'll you know really make somebody sick and write this scene. No, if it has nothing to do with the story, why am I putting it in there? Um. And I like scare. I like scare for the most part over gore. Yeah, you too. I like um, suspense better. Yeah. Just, yeah. 
suspense and scare. I think that's why people like Fright House so much is because, um, yeah, there's some there's some violence in it and some and some gore, but through most of the book, it's a buildup of sense of oh. suspense and scare and wondering what's real and what's not real, what's in their imaginations or heads and what's really happening. I try to keep that question going on for the reader, like, are they imagining that or is it real? Um, and building that suspense. Uh, and it, really, the whole first part of the book, there's, no, there's not really much in the way of violence and gore. It's all suggestive and suspense and scare. Um, I think that's why it's gotten good reviews. Yeah, I hear you on that. That's that's probably why I don't like the some of the newer, like I've no, I've never been into the Saw series. Yeah, we, I, I've seen one or two, and then that was, right, and that was it. They, they, they're like snuff films. Yeah, and you know, so I've never. I, I'd much rather um, watch something that's scary and suspenseful than just everybody getting killed. And finding yeah, new and ways to kill them and blood and gore and it, it's I want not to like when you know Nosferatu came out or you know Bela Lugosi and when those guys started out, that was scary. Yeah. You know, not like some, put, I mean, I love horror, but some of the movies are stupid. It's yeah, just there like was better story. Pay attention to the stories back then too. Storyline yeah, yeah. much better. Most of them say you're like a kill fest. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. You have to give me story and character. Yeah. Uh, I I I I need story and characters that I can uh, connect with with my horror. Exactly. I don't want to. I don't want just the basic horror part. Have either uh, I think one that's of why you... the haunting is so good. You were talking about the haunting yeah. uh, is so yeah. good because. The care you care about the characters are so good, and the story is so good, and it's not just about the horror part of it. You have to yeah. ground your story. You have to for horror to really work for me. The story has to be grounded in real life and real characters with real relationships. Definitely. Uh, to 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 make the horror part work, I'm not okay. in it for just the the horror. Fred, you said you like Dean Koontz, right? I like a lot of his older stuff. I his like newer all stuff, I think, stuff. is a little formulaic, but I don't know. I like I like all of his stuff. I'm prejudiced. He's my favorite. So, but yeah, you know, I mean, Watchers out, is one of those out. novels that did it for me. That made me want to be a horror writer. Watchers and The Shining. So King and yeah. Koontz. Yeah. Um, I. He, he's done two series books. One is Odd Thomas. I don't know if you've read any of those yet. Oh, yeah. I like oh, oh, excuse I me. I love like Odd Thomas. Thomas. And yeah. what I like about it is is that he's telling it in the main character. The main character's telling the story, not the author. And I think that's what I got so into it. That, and it was so easily to get attached to Odd Thomas, the character himself. Right. He's a great character. And have you seen the movie Odd Thomas? I haven't. I just saw it on a TV guide. Um, Anton it's on the Sci-Fi Yelp. Channel right now. 
Yeltsin is in it, right? The guy who yeah. was in the new Star Trek that passed away. The young yeah, kid that yeah, exactly. passed away recently. So, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do now because Dean Koontz was talking about doing the second book, you know, getting that into movie. But um, if you haven't watched it yet, watch it. I mean, it just, it's weird how he does some of his stuff. I and mean, with this one, you know, the character and the kid that played uh, Thomas, it just kind of fit perfect. It's like who you pictured in the book. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be hard really to good. replace, I would imagine. Oh, God, yeah, because he was like the perfect Odd Thomas. To me, he was, anyway. And it's like I watched, uh, I read um, Whispers when he after Whispers had come out. Uh-huh. And the funny part is that five minutes after I had read finished reading the book, Literally, HBO put the movie on. So I actually sat up to like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning watching the movie to see if it was just like the book. Yeah, I did and things like it? that. Yeah, it was really good. And, and the one guy, one, one of the main characters in it, it was like, oh, it's, it was kind of creepy because that's exactly what I pictured him looking like. So, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's always so good when they have good casting. Oh yeah. When they paid but attention I, to casting and um, and tried to cast somebody that, and you know that they actually read the book before they cast uh-huh. it, instead of just uh, you know getting the next hot, the new, the new hottest to do the movie. Um, yeah. Because I've seen that happen where they've ruined a brought a book from to the to the theater and their casting sucked and it just ruined well, he did, he did have, <laughs> the whole story. He did he did have one other book that they made into a movie but he was extremely upset with it, disappointed with it. He actually took them to court over it. It was probably Watchers. No, it wasn't Watchers. No. I can't remember the name of the book offhand right now. But he actually took him to court to remove his name from the movie because they changed the age of the kid in the movie. They changed this in the movie. They changed that. And 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 I guess I can understand him doing this because he wants it to be like the book. The people love his books. Right. They're gonna. He's gonna want them to enjoy the movies just as much. Well, does it make sense? Okay, so it's it was probably a best-selling book. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, good. Best-selling book that that uh, that people love. Why would you change it? You have a built-in exactly. audience. Why do you want to piss that built-in audience off? <laughs> or the author for you know? that matter. <laughs> yeah, or the author for that matter. But hey, you're so the author. Never, yeah, I've never quite understood that, and I've 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 seen it done before where they change the story, um, and not for the better. Yeah, and that's the thing yeah. of it. I read the book, so I I understood what he was saying and why he was upset about it, because you can't take a, a kid in the book that's supposed to be like 9 or 10 years old and make her 16 in the movie. It, it's not going to work. No. It, it It becomes a different story. Exactly. If you're changing characters, the story changes. It has to. 
Yeah. And it ruins it. And I like being pissed. I'm with him on that. Don't ruin, don't ruin the movie. The book was perfect. Do the movie like the book. Because that's what people want to see. They want to see how close to the book they get, that it you know, comes out. Right. And I understand that you can't follow a book completely in a movie. Yeah. They're going to have to face yeah, the movie is only two hours, and you know you, you've got to cut the story somewhere or change something. But for the most part, I, I like movies that stay true to the basic overall theme and mood and message of the book and the characters. Yeah. Oh, I agree totally. I mean, when Me I saw it, when when I watched Odd Thomas for the first time. Yes, and I still haven't. I've watched it three or four times since. But um, the first time I watched it, it was like, oh, my God, that's how I pictured him. That's how I pictured this person. You know, some of the people were slightly different, but not a lot. You know what I mean? And, right. Uh, I, I loved it. It was really good, and I think they did a good job with it. You know, I, I'm hoping they'll find somebody to take that kid's place that'll be at least close enough. It's gonna, yeah. It's gonna be hard for them to find somebody that. Because I would love to see all the Tom made his movies. I right love away, them. But... That's that's probably one of my favorite. And there's a couple. Dragon Tear was another one that I liked a lot. Yeah, I, I used to read a lot more a lot more Dean Koontz than I do now, but um, oh, every chance I get, I read his stuff. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he, he what I like, I think, a lot about him is the fact that unlike Stephen King, he don't put a lot of the gore in there. He leaves it to your imagination. He leaves a lot of gore out. He leaves just enough in for you to imagine the rest of it. That's true. That is true about about him. Yeah, and and it it keeps you it it keeps you intrigued. I mean, I could take one of his biggest and thickest books, and I could read that in like three days. Yeah, I I enjoyed his um, his Frankenstein series. Yeah, that was good. That was really good too. I liked it a lot. So, I gotta ask, what does everybody think that the biggest thrill of, I mean, what did Stephen King do that nobody else did differently in the world? I don't know, I'm, I, he's okay, but I like Dean Koontz better, so. Yeah, yeah, um. Oh, what do you think that What makes every... King better than Coons? Well, I don't know if King is better than Coons. Um, he's they're different. Uh, yeah, they write I... differently and they they tell different stories. I don't know, Tom. Do you I... think one's better than the other, or they're just no? Like you said, they're they different. Are. They're different. They're, they're different. I mean, they're both in the horror genre, but they're both different aspects. I think. With King, I think of like uh, he made vampires in Vogue again. I think with Salem Plot, and 
you know, and then he had the, those thick novels Silver like Bullet. it, and, you know, and um, The Stand, you know, Silver Bullet, he made werewolves, you know, and kind of went back to the right. old stuff, but I think he also, oh, and, uh, and yet, well, The And yeah, he did those great drama series like Shawshank Redemption that pulls you in so far into the characters right. where you're just like, yeah. Live. Yeah, what I, I mean, Shawshank Redemption, and then you got um, the stand in it where he oh. made, you know, basically were lengthy novels that kept you engrossed the whole way. And I'm more familiar with King and Coons, but uh, you know, I can't. They're not. He's not better. It's just he. They're different. I just. They're just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you got two it's, different writers that are geniuses. And I'd even throw Peter Strong into the, the mix better too. Publicist? Like. Yeah, Castle I would throw Rock Peter Strong in there. Probably. You know, at cemetery and. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Stephen King's a genius. Yeah, but Dean Koontz is awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the that's the problem that you have with everything, Steve. I think Dean Koontz is a little more frightening, more more frightening than King, but um. But you think it's those cliffhangers that make Stephen King like awesome? It's like Stand by Me was a true story. And he's telling that story about the fat guy that was eating the pie at the pie eating contest. Well, what happened next? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a story. It was a story within the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Look, I actually, Stand By Me is one of my favorite King adaptions from um, it, one of his written stuff to screen. Do you know uh, story of his was The Mist, but I thought the movie ruined the last 30, last minute or two of it. You know? I liked it better with yeah, the I ambiguous did. ending than I did with the way it ended. Yeah, I didn't like The Mist. It was, and it was all yeah. because of the ending, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Everybody, has the ambiguity of the ending left it open for more. Right. Well, they went for the shock ending instead of the ambiguous one. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that was kind of uh, disturbing in its own right, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Now, I got I got to ask you guys something. Did you guys read Misery the Book? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I just watched <laughs> okay. the movie. Okay. <laughs> Dawn, you have not read the book? No, I watched the movie. That was good. No, you got to read the book. Watch the movie and then read the book. The book because is so I much thought better. the book was amazing. How she actually killed the police chief. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. It's been a long time. I don't want she killed him. I just head can't. over with the lawnmower. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that's something that stuck with me for a long time. I I mean, 
what do you guys think? Is book to film better, or is book better? Usually the book is better. What's the question? I mean, for, mis- for Misery? For any, for any movie. Oh, well, take The Shining, for example. Take The Shining, for example. I didn't care for the Jack Nicholson version of the movie, but the miniseries, I thought, stayed true to the book. It was much better. But I'll take a book over the movie. The book is better than any any version. Did not do very well as the lead character in The Shining. Say what? I didn't. I didn't see the. Okay, that was a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror joke. Okay, I didn't. I didn't see that version of it, but. I saw the miniseries what? that Tom's talking about and Jack Nicholson movie, and I didn't, I didn't really like either one of them that much. I, I think the the miniseries, t- yes, yeah, stayed truer to the the book, um, but I still like the book better. Uh, yeah, I thought me the too. book was uh, amazing. Um, but you Jack know, Nicholson same was probably with, miscast in that. I, yeah, everybody was terrible in it. Hated the kid. I mean, he hated his wife. He just got done playing uh, from the he, cuckoo's nest, and he was still looking like he was kind right. of crazy. He died right. going into insanity. Right. So, but yeah. one of the famous famous movies in all of movie history is Here's Jack. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a famous scene, but I, I thought it was, yeah, I don't know, not one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> uh, hated, the, I don't know, hate, really hated The Shining. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I, I, in fact, I hadn't seen it in a number of years, and I watched it not too long ago thinking that maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember it because everybody always talks about it as being this classic horror movie. It was as bad as I remember Actually, I'm going to have to agree with all of you on that because I never watched it to the end. I was so bored with it. The kids going down the hallway, the twins are there. I've never seen the end of The Shining. Okay, have you read the book? I did watch the end of it on The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horrors. I guess they die in... Some froze. I've never watched it from beginning to end. There, I oh, said it. Too. I liked it. Oh, see, I I've never watched it from beginning to end. I got another confession. I've never watched The Godfather. All right. Oh, Francie, I gotta tell you oh. something. Okay. So, remember what me and Joe were talking about and Joe was going to do for me? For Wyatt? Oh, I kind of remember, but I don't. It has to do with the Cheney family. That would be the, uh, the, the real people that was actually in the... Which Anthony Quinn? I'm not Anthony Quinn. No, no. Listen, 
super, uh, yeah, just a real Amityville horror house. No, the Lon Chaney, the Lon Chaney thing. Oh. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. at Monster Palooza? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he got you all the autographs. And he, he came through with flying colors. That's not all. So he got um, uh, Ron Chaney signed a picture of the werewolf of his grandfather. Signed it to Wyatt. Then on another card, they all signed it. And then they, he said, Joe sent a DVD where Jennifer Cheney, Ron Cheney Jr.'s great-granddaughter, sent a message to Wyatt. Oh, nice. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, I awesome. remember you sent a Facebook message about that. Yep, it was awesome, and the message to Wyatt was awesome. And so now I framed his picture and his autograph. They're all framed, and now all he has to do is hang them up. But it's pretty badass. Nice. Yes. So it was like, oh, my, White brought the package in. He goes, who's this? It's from California. I'm going, oh, my God, White, hold on. So I started pulling things out. I said, there you go. There's something you got that nobody else has. So it was pretty amazing, and I appreciate it so much. You know, because it's something he'll have to treasure always. You know, he's nice. got an original black and white. It's uh, the black and white picture of Lon Chaney Jr. as the wolf man and his grandson. And that was pretty fucking fun. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, so it's it's something special he'll always have. So, yep, so there's his early birthday present. Nice. Yeah. All right. pull uh, the blog like talk radio is about to let us know leaving? that we are about done with the show. Huh? Uh, oh, Red. Where can we see you and where can you be? <laughs> where can you yeah. see me and where can I be? Huh? <laughs> well, I mean, um, like, I know that you have control of your own Facebook page. There's nobody that's controlling you. True. That, so they so can so they can find me. Oh, you want to know you, where anybody can find you. me? You can find me at on Facebook. Uh, Books by Fred Weehy is my page. Uh, so if you just go to Facebook and put in Books by Fred Weehy, you go to my uh, my page. And then uh, FredWeehy dot com is my website. And Weehy is spelled W I E H E. It's not W E Y E. No, it's it's W I E H E. So you can find me in and, both of those places, uh, or just Google me. And you Google I gotta me, tell you, uh, Fred is uh, quite possibly, and Fred. 
there's one question I want to ask you tonight, and I talked about this with Tom Sawyer. Did you know that you kind of look like Mike Rutherford? I look like who? Mike Rutherford. Rutherford. No, I've never... You don't know who Mike Rutherford is? Hello? Um... He's like a heartthrob throughout from Genesis. Mike and the Mechanics. He's like a really... You've never seen the resemblance? No, I know. Nobody's ever told you that you look like kind of like Mike Rutherford, not like the... The lead guitarist of Genesis. The lead guitarist of Genesis. And the lead guitarist of Genesis.
I gotta tell you, Mike Rutherford is like a heartthrob. So, oh my gosh, his puppet even looks like him. I'm gonna send you a video and uh, come and kind of look at it and look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Oh, I do kind of look <laughs> like them." Okay. All right, Fred, you have been amazing because well, we've been a little bit doing... out of, you know, shape. I gotta look around online and see what musician Tom Sawyer looks like. Oh, I got a face for radio. I got a face for radio. I should like take, well, <laughs> he, he does. So unproductive. I should do that for black bedsheet authors just for fun on Facebook. You look like this famous musician or something. Wait. Uh, God, I, I have better things to do, but that's. <laughs> Wait, Tom, what color are your eyes? Brown. He's going to go look in the mirror now. <laughs> I'm guessing he's kind of green or blue. They better be blue. If they're not blue, then you better get you some blue contacts because you're more like the Frank Sinatra. Me? Yes, I you. I thought maybe a young Ernest Borgnine, but maybe not. You know. No, Frank Sinatra started off young. All right, we'll we'll, we'll fix it. <laughs> More like a linebacker. But right side. now we got the lovely oh uh Dawn. Yeah. You do know that you're the Statue of Liberty, putting your feet on the desk. I do want to thank you for that photo shoot. <laughs> you did know that, right? Because we did that photo shoot. Wink, wink, yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, let's close out the show. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on a second. I was just, uh, I was, I was just trying to think of what else uh, Fred Weehy looks like. And uh, you know, I've always thought, ever since I saw your photo before I even met you, that you, you have the look of like a very, like, like a debutante. From like, um, from like, uh, probably Western Europe somewhere. If uh, if I was a famous film film director and you were an actor, I would cast you in like an author Arthurian type of a, where you're a knight or something. You 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 come across as very noble. I don't know why. You've all, you always have like a kind of like a like a like you didn't come from the bottom. Like you came from, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you just have that look. Hey, Francie, keep well, saying, Michael. I appreciate that. Yeah, but you I actually, appreciate that. Yeah, you do. You have that that sophisticated kind of. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> A Michael Rutherford debutante. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure Francie's gonna probably um, like. Uh, you know, message you some some Genesis videos. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Just after like two hours or so, uh, on Francie and Friends, we have a tradition where things go south. 
<laughs> or we just start like reaching for things like, what does this guest look like? Uh, it looks like. <laughs> uh, I think we should. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I actually um aside from all that, you, well, you know, Fred, I, I've 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 met you on occasion, and I'm really glad, grateful that I have, and I really hope. I, as a matter of fact, I want to. Uh, uh, I, I I would really like you to sometime you know come over here and maybe there'd be a SAC convention or something and and all that hoopla and Tom Sawyer's so far away but he's welcome too I wanna I still want to try to get like a like a convention that um, Black Bedsheet Books is a part of in Sacramento so I've still I, I talked to a lot of convention people that put things together I'm um, I'm uh, considering making a deal with a comic book creator that's local that does a lot of local conventions in northern california and part of the deal entails uh, for the next four years um I, I get free tables at all their cons and uh, um and uh and they'll promote black bedsheet and stuff and i'm trying to figure out um some of the some of the small little points of the deal and stuff uh uh, I, I mean, I'm close. Well, tell me in one of these years, I'll do it. Yeah, but uh, I want to actually, uh, actually be one of the people in charge of the conventions. Um, but uh, anyway, that that day will come. And uh, also this um, this this YouTube podcast I've been talking about for the past year and a half or so. So uh, I'm still developing that too. It's just it's not an easy task. Um, doing it the way I want it. <laughs> I mean, I could probably just like schedule my first show next week, but I want it perfect. And I want a good like I'm I'm developing a good opening, like a um like a David Letterman type, you know, opening for it. And then, you know. Anyway, anywho, um so there's a lot of things developing over here and I'm trying to wrap my brains around it and then there's production stuff with the new books coming out. And I know I know Fred you, we talked about something um so I haven't forgotten about that. Um and we'll we'll talk online and and then there's other other cool stuff coming out too with Black Bedsheet and and Fred uh anybody that's listening buy Fred's books and Francie I hate to say your words but we're about to close the show but make sure that that Fred and then Tom tell everybody where to buy their books and stuff and where to look them up and all that jazz Fred I'm going to send you the I can't t- tell me that does not look like Fred I know <laughs> Oh, wait, that, is it spitting or splitting? I forgot. But anyway. I'm going to send that to yeah, you. You're going to look at that. You're going to be like, wow, is that my identical twin? Poor Fred. Look at that. Does <laughs> anyway, that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Everybody, say where you get your books from. Where's Fred? Tell me that does like not Fred look like Fred. Okay, go. Uh, where do you get my books from? Wherever books are sold, I hope. Um, if they don't have it in a bookstore near you, ask them to uh, order it. If you want to find out about my books, you can go to fredweehe.com or uh, my Facebook page, Books by Fred Weehe. And just remember that Weehe is spelled W-I-E-H-E. Yeah, 
Yeah, That's you don't want to spell it W E E. Backwards. That's a discipline. Why? No. Yeah. W E E. W. I know it like the back of my hand now, though. We cry wee 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 all the way home. Right. You don't want to spell it that way. Yeah. Well, spell it like it's Y E W I E H E. R-V-4-E except F-R-C. Wait, your last name is not American. No, I'm kidding. It's not American. I-V-4-E except after C. Never mind. I was it's making I-B4-E. a joke, but it failed. Or, sounds like, or, or otherwise sounds like A is in neighbor and we. Anyway. Anyways, I got to tell you, Fred Weehy, okay, Fred, do that one more time, because we screwed it up. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's fredweehy.com or Books by Fred Weehy Facebook page, and Weehy is spelled W-I-E-H-E. And I got to tell you. That's my plug. You're an amazing writer, and you have a great logic on life, too. And that's what makes you so awesome. And that's why so many people, and that's why you're a best-selling author, is because you're so down-to-earth, you know what you like, you know what you do, and you achieve it. And that's well, I why every that. I mean I I met you three times, and I got to tell you, you're one of my favorite people in this world. Wow! I honestly, wow. he is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a great, he he great. honestly is, and he's not I just an awesome writer. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh, one one hundred percent. He's great to know. I mean. You're really a great guy. You're a great father. I met your son. I met you. I met all aspects of you, and you are a really awesome guy. And you're somebody that when... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.